Good morning. My name is Matthew Capone, and I'm the pastor here at Cheyenne Mountain Presbyterian Church, and it's my joy uh, to bring God's Word to you today. Special welcome if you're new or visiting with us. We're glad that you're here, and we're glad that you're here not because we're filling seats, but because we're following Jesus together as one community. And as we follow Jesus together, we become convinced that there's no one so good that they don't need God's grace and no one so bad that they can't have it, which means that God has something to say to everyone in his word, which is why we come week after week and listen to what God has to say from us to us from the scriptures. Uh, we're continuing our series in the book of Proverbs, and actually this is going to be uh, my last sermon from the book of Proverbs this summer. Many of you received our letter from the elders this week. Um, I'm going to be out of the pulpit the next three weeks. Next week, Mike Winsler, who preached, I believe, this January once, is going to preach from Proverbs on the topic of friendship. Uh, but for me, this is the close to our series on Proverbs. And as we come to the end, remember that Proverbs is a book about wisdom. Wisdom is skill in the art of living. It begins with the fear of the Lord. That's its foundation. And it continues in humility. We cannot grow in wisdom unless we're humble, if we recognize that there are things we don't know and we need to learn. Now, when I was growing up, uh, there was a man in my church who loved to tell this story about the Sunday school class. Uh, and in this class, the teacher, let's say it was an elementary class, I think, asked the kids, you know, there's a, an object and it's gray and furry and it has a tail and it likes to run up trees. What is it? Well, a kid in the class raised his hand and said, well, sounds like a squirrel, but we're in Sunday school, so it must be Jesus. Now, I've been telling you uh, all along from our very first uh, sermon, I believe, on Proverbs, that Jesus is our great and greater wisdom teacher. And you might think, well, of course he's going to say that, right? We're in a church. If he's a preacher, he's supposed to tell us something about Jesus. This sounds right. So as we come to chapter 8, we're going to ask this one question. I've been telling you this. Now we're going to ask why. Why is Jesus our great and greater wisdom teacher? Why do we listen to Jesus first? And why do we trust him more? Why, out of all the voices that are telling us things that are wise, why should Jesus' voice be the loudest voice? Why is Jesus the path? to skill in the art of living. Why is Jesus our great and greater wisdom teacher? Proverbs chapter 8 uh, is the classic text for getting from Proverbs to Jesus, and so that's going to be our focus this morning. I invite you to turn there with me. You'll find it printed near the end of your worship guide. Of course, you'll find it in your Bible as well or on your phone. No matter where you turn to it, remember that this is God's Word. And Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 tells us that every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And so that's why we read now, starting in chapter 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town... At the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, 
learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. Verse 7. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil, and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule, and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring wealth and righteousness, my fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Verse 22, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Verse 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. I invite you to pray with me as we come to this portion of God's word. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for the gift of your word that you have not left us to stumble alone in the dark, but instead you have come to show us the way to walk. We ask that you would do that this morning, that you would shine a light on Jesus for us, that we would see him as beautiful and glorious, and that would cause us to obey and trust him more than anyone else. We ask these things grateful that we don't have to earn them or deserve them, 
because we ask them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When we were in Proverbs chapter 2, we talked uh, about the importance of the way. And of course, I related it to Star Wars and the Mandalorian. And we talked about many of the things that happened in Star Wars after the fall of the Empire in episodes 7 through 9. But I want you to go back with me a little bit. Before episode 4, before New Hope, we get the backstory in Rogue One to the beginning of the Death Star. And we find out, of course, that this Death Star is dangerous, right? It can destroy entire planets. And so it's something that's a great threat to the rebellion. And we meet this man named Galen Erso. And Galen is sort of coerced to become the architect, one of the builders of the Death Star. And as this builder, as this architect, he knows it inside and out because, of course, he's the one designing it. And so he knows good things about it and he knows bad things about it. And if you've seen the movie... Um, you know he designs certain parts into it. He designs a vulnerability so that it can be destroyed because he's actually not in favor of the Death Star. He's sort of a double agent. But he knows something that no one else knows. He knows, right, that he set up a problem in the reactor core, and he knows this because he is the one who built it. He knows things that no one else knows. And of course, that's the same thing that wisdom is telling us here in verses 22 through 31. If you turn there with me, we see that wisdom was before everything else in verses 22 through 25. They're at the beginning. They're the first thing created um, when God made the world. And so because wisdom was there before, wisdom was also there when everything else was created. That's what we see in verses 26 through 29. Wisdom tells us all these places she was. She was there before the earth was made, verse 26. She was there when the heavens were made, verse 27. She was there when the fountains were made, verse 28. She was there, verse 29, when the boundaries of the seas were established. And we find out not just that wisdom was there before everything and was there when things were created, but then wisdom is actually involved in the creation. We see that in verses 30 through 31. Wisdom is, verse 30, beside him like a master workman, daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. In other words, of course, wisdom knows the best way that things work. Like Galen, the architect, wisdom knows the secrets. There's some things that wisdom knows that no one else knows Because wisdom is part of the design process. Wisdom knows how everything works. And it has information, just like only Galen is able to tell them how to destroy the Death Star. Only wisdom is able to tell us certain things because wisdom was there. Wisdom was there when it was designed. Wisdom was part of the design. And so we can go back to everything we've talked about this summer and say, of course, right? Of course, hard work leads to success. Because God created the world in such a way that he gave mankind dominion over it. He said, I want you to work in this world. So I've set it up in such a way that your hard work is going to lead to good things. Of course, saving money, right, is going to lead to success because I've established this world as a place where you're stewards, where you need to care for it and preserve things. 
And of course, it's also because of sin, a chaotic world. And so there are unexpected things that we need to prepare for. Wisdom knows these things. Of course, things rise and fall based on our words. Of course, the things that we tell other people can destroy them or build them up. It can preserve communities or burn them down because God's created the world as a place of truth. He's created it as a place of connection. Of course, what we do with our sexuality matters. Of course, sex is meant to be reserved for a husband and a wife together in marriage because God has designed the world that way. He's made it a place of faithfulness and he's designed our sexuality as something that's meant to unite lives together, to make two people into one. And so we would expect that it would only work best in that context. Of course, dishonest gain is not going to end well, right? God's created the world as a place of honesty. God is a truthful God. We would expect his world to work in that way. Of course, oppressing the poor is going to lead to judgment. Why? Because God has designed this to be a just world. And he's given humans dignity. And so when we take away from that dignity by oppressing others, we can expect nothing else than God's judgment. God created the world. Wisdom was there. And so, of course, we listen to wisdom's voice more than any other voice. We look in verses 15 and 16 here. We see that this is what successful rulers know. Verse 15, by me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. Verse 16, by me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. In other words, you ignore the way God has created the world at your own peril. Successful rulers and leaders understand how things are supposed to work and they work along with it and that's what leads to their success. And so wisdom here is reminding us it is foolish to listen to other voices more. Of course we would listen to wisdom first. Of course we would trust uh, wisdom more. Of course The voice of wisdom would be the loudest because, of course, wisdom knows more than anyone else knows. And wisdom knows these things because she was there at the beginning. Now, I've told you a lot that Jesus is our great and greater wisdom teacher. I have not mentioned as often that Jesus is not just the great wisdom teacher, He is also the full and final embodiment of wisdom. That's what we're told in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 2 tells us that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us this multiple times. In verse 24, it tells us Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. In verse 30, we're told Jesus became to us wisdom from God. And so it's not just that we listen to Lady Wisdom, who's here is just a personification of wisdom, but it points forward even more, we listen to Jesus Christ. And it's not just that he is God's wisdom, but just like Lady Wisdom here is telling us she was there at the beginning, Jesus was also there at the beginning and even more. We're told in John chapter one that not only was Jesus there at the beginning of the world, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus was part of the creation. We're told something even more astounding in Hebrews chapter 1. 
It says, through whom, referring to Jesus, also he, that's God the Father, created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. In other words, you right now are holding together as a person, physically, because Jesus has chosen you to uphold you by his word. The universe is still intact because Jesus is keeping it in place. Jesus was not just there at the beginning. He was part of God's creation of the world. And so, of course, he knows what is best and right. We trust him even when other people are telling us things that are different. We listen to Jesus and we trust Jesus because, of course, he knows. Why is Jesus our great and greater wisdom teacher? He is our great and our greater wisdom teacher because he's the creator. He made this world. And so we should expect nothing less than that he knows what's best. And so we listen to Jesus. We trust him. We do what he tells us, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's hard. We do it because he's the creator. He knows what he's talking about. And so that's why we're told in verses 8 through 10 that the words of wisdom are more valuable than anything else. Verse 10, take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. Jesus was there at the beginning. He created the world. Of course he knows how it works. So we listen to him, we trust him, and we obey him. Because we know he knows more than any other voice. Jesus is not just the creator, though. He is also our great redeemer. If you're familiar with the story, you'll know that Galen is not just the architect of the Death Star. He doesn't just make it. He also wants to reveal the secrets. And so remember, he sends Bodhi Rook, the pilot. He escapes from the rebellion. Bodhi comes with the plans in a hologram. He sends a message so that the rebellion knows what they need to know about the Death Star. They know how to destroy it. And so he's sending his information out. He's proclaiming it. He's not waiting on them to discover it. Galen's not sitting passively. Instead, he's active. He wants this information to be known. There's a vulnerability, right? The reactor module is not stable. He's made it that way on purpose so that the Death Star can be destroyed. So he wants to make sure the rebellion has the plans. So he gives them the information about the vulnerability, right? And then he tells them they're going to have to go to the planet Scarif to get the plans so that they know exactly how to destroy it. He is actively seeking to give them the information. Of course, the same thing is true of wisdom here. That's what we see in verses 1 through 11. Wisdom is calling out. Wisdom is raising her voice. This is similar to what we saw in the first few chapters of Proverbs. Wisdom's not hiding her resources, right? She's in public. Anyone who wants to learn, she'll teach. Wisdom is active, going out, instructing, and finding 
Of course, the same thing is true of our Lord Jesus. We're told in Luke chapter 19 that he comes to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is not waiting passively, but as God's wisdom, as God's full and final wisdom, whatever is true of lady wisdom is even more true of Jesus. Wisdom is calling out. Jesus seeks us out. He doesn't wait passively. He comes with information that only he can give us. He comes with the truth, not just of wisdom, but of his grace and his forgiveness for us. And so wisdom, Jesus, Jesus is our redeemer in the sense that he seeks us out. He's also our redeemer in the sense that he gives us what we would otherwise not be able to have because wisdom here is offered to fools. I've been warning you all summer against being a fool. And at some level, all of us are fools. That is who wisdom comes for. Verse 5, O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. In other words, wisdom is offering to teach foolish people. Verse 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Verse 21, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. And so wisdom is coming here for foolish people, people who don't deserve what wisdom has to offer. People who are rightly condemned, right? These are people, as we've talked about before, who can't connect the dots. They don't know the difference. They don't know the connection between present actions and future consequences. Yet wisdom still comes for them. Wisdom is still willing to teach fools. And then we have this final warning in verses 32 through 36. Wisdom is a matter of life and death. Verse 35, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord, but he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. And of course, if this is true of wisdom, how much more is it true of Jesus? Jesus says he comes not for the well, but for the sick. Jesus has come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's what we're told in Luke chapter 5. And so Jesus is also willing to teach fools. He is not just the creator, he's the redeemer. He is the only one who offers hope and life for all the pieces of foolishness that we've talked about this summer. It's Jesus that gives a chance to fools. It's Jesus that offers to cover over our foolishness, and to replace it with his wisdom. As some of you know, I did a short podcast this summer where I interviewed a few folks about Proverbs and wisdom. And if you listen to the first one with a man named Zach Eswine, you'll be familiar with this quote. He tells us what it looks like for Jesus to become our wisdom for us. And he says this, when we encounter wisdom and see how foolish and naive we've been, That's what leads us to Christ. That's what leads us to true wisdom. Wisdom begins to name things as they are, and I get to say, I have been a fool. I have been naive. That humility is the first place where wisdom is taking root, and I need one wiser than myself. 
And when Christ died for me, he applied all his wisdom. He took all my folly and all my naivety and all my scoffing onto himself. And he lavished upon me and clothed me with all of his wisdom. And this is my hope, that when I see my folly, all is not lost. It doesn't have the last word in my life. I am foolish, but it's not the truest thing about me anymore because Jesus is my Savior, my Shepherd, and my Lord. Why is Jesus our great and greater wisdom teacher? It is not just because he's our creator. It is also because he's our redeemer. It would be useless for Jesus to teach us anything about wisdom if he were not willing to cover over and take our folly, our naivety, and our scoffing. But of course, as our great wisdom teacher, that's exactly what he does. He did it in the past by coming as a real man in real space, in real time. He lived the wise life that we should have lived. And he died the foolish death that we should have died. And he invites anyone and everyone who's willing to repent of their foolishness and have faith in him to have their folly covered with his wisdom. In other words, the invitation that wisdom gives us is even more true of the invitation from Jesus. Verse 5, O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Jesus is saying the same thing. Simple and foolish people, come to me. I will give you true wisdom. I will cover over the consequences of your folly. You have not been able to connect the consequences of your present actions to future consequences. But if you are part of me and my kingdom, that's okay. Because I give you all of my forgiveness because of my death on your behalf. And so the offer for wisdom is an urgent call, right? What we see at the end of chapter 8 is something everyone is going to have to answer to. Whoever finds wisdom, that is, whoever finds Jesus Christ, finds life. Verse 35, and obtains favor from the Lord. Verse 36, but he who fails to find me, all who fail to find Jesus Christ, injure themselves. All who hate me love death. There is only one path to wisdom, and it is a path through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so if you do not have faith in him, if you are not following after Jesus, trusting him to cover your foolishness and replace it with his wisdom, no matter how superficially wise you might be, there is no hope. You, verse 36, love death. God's offer of wisdom is for anyone and for everyone who is willing to repent and embrace him in faith. And so if you do not have faith in Jesus Christ, the call from wisdom is as urgent today as it was thousands of years ago when this chapter was written to come and repent and believe. So if you do not have faith in Jesus Christ, I challenge you now today to think about the consequences of foolishness and to come to Jesus the true and full and final wisdom. Of course, I'm happy to talk with you about that today after our service as we're socially distanced outside. And there's many people around you who'd be happy to talk to you about that. 
but it is more important than anything else. Remember, verse 19, my fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. Wisdom is the most important thing. Embracing wisdom, embracing Jesus Christ is more important than anything else in this world. And the call of wisdom is for everyone. Now, Galen doesn't just send the plans. He doesn't just send a hologram. He's also ultimately willing to lay down his life for the sake of the rebellion. And when his daughter, Jen, and the others see him do that, they realize their response that they have only one hope, which is to go and find the plans that he's told them about, to go to the planet of Scarif. And they do it despite the disapproval of the council, right? They're not supposed to go and do it. And yet they rebel because they realize that's their only hope. It's either that or be destroyed. In other words, Galen's act motivates them. It empowers them to do what's good and right. The same thing is true for us. Wisdom is seeking us out. Verse 17, we must love her back. Jesus is seeking us out. We must love him back as well. We listen to God and his word. We hear what he's saying to us. He moves in our hearts to create that love for him, and we repent and turn from folly. We repent and sacrifice whatever we have to to get wisdom, whatever we have to to get Jesus Christ, because Jesus doesn't just have wisdom. He's not just the creator. He's able to make us wise. He's the redeemer. And Galen's not just the creator. He's not just one who lays down his life for the rebellion. He's also Jen's father. And at the very beginning of the movie, we see his last words to her before they're separated for probably about 15 years. As he goes out to face the imperial forces, he looks Jen in the eyes and he says this, knowing they'll be separated. Whatever I do, I do it to protect you. Do you understand? And Jen nods her head and says, yes, I understand. And so for 15 years, as she's separated from her father, she has to trust and believe that everything he's doing, as he's separated from her, as he's working on the Death Star, he is doing it to protect her. How much more is that true of our Father God and His Son, Jesus Christ? Everything He's done, all the instructions of wisdom are to protect us. And so why is Jesus our great and greater wisdom teacher? He is our great and greater wisdom teacher because He's our creator. He's made the world and He knows it. And He's because He's our redeemer. He offers to rescue us from our foolishness and to cover it with His wisdom. And so we listen to him first, and we trust him more. Please pray with me.